This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 127. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my bald, beautiful, amazing, purple-shirted, gray sweatshirted co-host, Christopher J. Graham. How you doing today, Chris? It's light purple. I purchased three purple sweatshirts just so I could be on brand. No one can see you right now, so they don't have to take my word for it. So continue on with whatever you were talking about. No one's listening to you anyways. They trust you, though, Brian. Chris, what you been up to, my friend? Quarantining. Dude, does Andy J Pizza still work at your office? I see that you're at your office right now. Well, yeah, I still have been coming to the office because it's private and I'm pretty much the only person here. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty much all of America right now. And I'm right there with you, man. But for me, at least, the quarantine thing hasn't really <laughs> hasn't really changed a lot in my life. I've talked about it in the previous episode, so we won't go into there. But I will say I've been playing a lot more video games lately. Ugh. I still work normal work hours, you know, from eight to five is kind of what I do every day and I've been doing for years. But I haven't been playing a lot of video games, but I'm in one of those phases. And I'd say like once a year, generally around this time, usually like in the summertime, I get big into video games. And I think quarantine has sped up that whole thing (laughs) for me right now. So my oldest son has been playing a lot of video games. He started playing and has beaten the game Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch. I just got a Switch and I need to play that game. It's a work of art. Yeah, it is gorgeous. I was a fan back in the SNES days. For you young kids, that's the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And uh, that was like, I don't know which Zelda that was, but it was great. And I haven't played many or any really since then. And I wouldn't mind getting back into it. But it's amazing. There's just so many games out right now that I love to play. There's one thing I'm going to give a shout out to a company called Shadow. Have you ever heard of that, Chris? No. Trevor, who's on episode 76, I think, or something like that. 71, actually. I wasn't too far off. Anyways, he found this company. It's basically cloud streaming PC. So it's like 15 bucks a month and they set up a dedicated PC in the cloud that you can access from your internet and play games on or do whatever you want with video editing. And it's like the super high end, like really capable gaming PC with very minimal latency, depending on your internet speeds and where you're located, how far you are from the servers. Trevor showed me last night, he was like playing Doom on it and has like zero latency, first person shooter playing from his MacBook Pro He's playing a PC that's in a server somewhere in America. It's crazy. That's amazing. I want that. Yeah, shadow.tech, I think, is the website. So go, go check that out if you're bored. We've sabotaged our own efforts today because yeah, we- <laughs> everyone's going to go do that and do none of what we talk about today. But Why did everyone stop listening to this episode at like <laughs> two minutes and 47 seconds? There's a waiting list for it anyways. So even if you sign up now, you, it'll be a, a few days to a week or two before you actually get it. But <laughs> Anyways, we're trying to actually help our audience today, not hurt them. And I think I just equipped our audience to potentially hurt themselves. That's funny. But I will say, man, sometimes you got to have a good balance. So it's good to have like work. It's going to be building something. I think that's a big part of like keeping mental health is like working towards something that you find meaningful in your life. And I do not find that video games give me that at all. So video games, great. Unwind end of the day, whatever. But what we're going to talk about today is hopefully helping you build something that is more aligned to your passions and giving you purpose in life. And for those who are struggling right now because of COVID and the quarantine and stuff, a lot of the feelings we're feeling right now is if we have lost progress on, you know, the things that we're trying to work towards, it hurts us mentally. And as someone that when this first all started, my mind went completely off of business. 
like completely off of business and distracted me a lot for the right reasons. And I realized that I had just lost so much productivity and what I was working towards was slowing down considerably. And I'm just now kind of recovering from that. So this episode, Chris, what are we going to be talking about related to this? Well, we talk about all the time, like one of the most common phrases you'll hear us say is working on, not for your business. For those who have listened to us a long time, you may remember this topic. We talked about it at great lengths in a three-part series on episode 93, 94, and 95. The episode series is called How You Can Work On Your Business Instead of In Your Business. So if you're not following along with what the hell that means, just go binge that series. I know you got the time right now, so you don't have an excuse <laughs> if you haven't heard it yet. But continue on what you're talking about, Chris. But yeah, so the idea we stole from the book, The E-Myth Revisited uh, by Michael Gerber. And Michael talks about this idea of how most small business owners get so consumed by working for their business, they never spend any time working on it, building out marketing systems, building out service systems, you know, building out analytic systems, metric systems where you're tracking your, your progress. We had a lot of that technical type stuff that we talked about on that series of episodes that I mentioned a second ago. Yeah, but it's super powerful stuff. It's the only reason my businesses have ever been successful is by having time that I spent, that I carved out and said, I'm not going to do client work then. You know, when I first started doing this, I think it was Wednesday at noon. And on Wednesday at noon, I'm going to work on my business, not for it. And that's when I started to build, you know, all my amazing Apple scripts that helped me run my business as quickly as possible and let me focus on doing the art that I love doing, the creative stuff that I love doing and not have to be like, I'm going to rename these 12 files before I master them, you know, like the boring stuff. If you want to hear more about Chris's story, make sure you go back to listen to episode two of the podcast where I interviewed Chris and learned his entire story or at least up to that point because that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. But anyways, here's the rub, guys. Back in the day, back pre-COVID, pre-quarantining is you would have to schedule this time to work on your business, not for it. And for many of us, you got a little more time than you're used to right now. And what the hell was that voice? I'm experimenting with some new voices. Okay, you sound like an old, an old gold rush guy going to mine for gold. <laughs> There's gold in them there hills. Oh my god! But yeah, so the idea here is when you work on your business instead of for it, that's how you grow a business. And right now, the things that you would have worked on might be a little different last month than they are this month. So we want to do just an entire episode dedicated to what are some things that you can do that'll keep you sane and that will make sure that after this is all said and done, that you are poised to explode in growth. Because here's the thing, every small business grows in plateaus. And what that means is, you know, you'll see this upward curve, growth, 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 growth. And then all of a sudden you hit a plateau. I like to call it the plateau of hell. And you are trying to serve your customers and work on your business at the same time so that you can build systems or train people or add new services or remove services or fire your bad customers, whatever that happens to be, so that you have time to be able to grow again. And then the business starts to grow. It's really uncomfortable. It starts to grow again. And then you hit another plateau of hell. And then you have to do things to make your business capable of growth again. That's when the work on your, your business, not for it, is the most important and usually what, get, get, what happens is most people's small businesses hit a plateau of hell and they get stuck there. And it's awful. Yeah, because the problem with that is when you hit one of those plateaus, it's because you are at capacity. And when you are at capacity, in your head at least, you do not have time to work on your business because you have so much shit to do in your business for your clients. 
And, you know, a few months ago, a lot of our listeners were in that spot where they're at a spot where they have too much work to go around. They don't know what to do. They can't grow any further or they can grow, but they, if they did, they would just disintegrate because they're already mentally stretched as it is so much stress. They're dropping the ball left and right. And so they're at the spot where they just don't have any option, but to just keep chugging along, working in their business on the client work that they've gotten. And there seemed to be no escape. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but there's something out there called the coronavirus that has changed uh, the way we live life right now. And for a lot of us, we all of a sudden have a lot of extra time on our hands. And not only that, this is one of the few times that the entire world is almost in the same boat right now. Well, one of the things when you're in one of these plateaus of hell, it gets so difficult. And what makes it so hellish is you do have time to work on your business. But in order to do that, you have to turn down paid work. Oh, that's even harder to do, man. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's the worst to be like a great project or work on my business, not for it in the hopes of being able to take on more great projects in the future. Right now, you don't have that problem. You probably don't have that problem. Some of you still do. Yeah, some people still do. And and we've kind of had an episode series, a couple of interviews back where we interviewed a couple of guys who are just crushing it right now. So they may not be in a position to take advantage of this, but for any of those right now who have extra time on their hands, whether you are currently quarantined or you're listening to this a year from now and things have slowed down for you, this episode is going to be relevant for you because we want to talk about things that you can implement now when you have a lull in your schedule. A lot of us have a lull or a very long lull right now. And uh, this will hopefully set you up for once the quarantine goes away and things start getting back to normal, you will be poised to explode when this is all done. Or if you're listening to this episode years from now, that this will hopefully help you get out of the slump that you're in right now. Totally. And I think one of the things that's important to keep in mind here, we talked about this last week, this idea of the COVID records rush. I think it's coming. And as a mastering engineer, you know, I'm thinking like, well, everyone's at home, they're recording, it's going to take a lot of work. And then eventually a lot of people are probably going to be ready for mastering right around the same time. So, you know, there's like definitely quotes have slowed down over the last week or so for me, but I'm definitely keeping in mind, like I need to be building out some new systems. I need to make sure that my assistant can help me with some stuff. If we do experience a massive increase in demand and now is the time to build those systems. So we want to talk about a lot of the things that you can do when you have a law like this so that you're not losing anything right now. If you're just kind of sitting on your thumbs you know, logging into a remote PC and playing video games eight hours a day <laughs> that you're not losing on something. You might actually, and many of you guys listening are going to make changes to your business. You're going to work on your business, not for it, because right now this quarantine is the single best time in the history of the world. And maybe for the next 100 years to work on your business, not for it, your business might be made based on the work that you do right now. You might look back Many of you will and say, man, COVID, what a terrible experience, but I have so much to be thankful for because I finally built out the systems. I finally learned the things I needed to learn. I finally got myself around the people I needed to be around in a mastermind. And now I'm in a position to grow and to be able to handle it. I think when you're working on your business, not for it, your goal should be to be able to handle doubling your business next year over the course of the next year. You got plenty of opportunity to be able to handle doubling your growth right now. What's really hard about that is when you're trying to balance client work and doing the work that allows you to double over the next year. So we're going to talk about that. What are some of the things that we'd recommend that you do to work on your business, not for it? Brian and I joke about this. I joke about this with people. We're sort of a business podcast. That's not really a business podcast. We're more of a 
personal growth podcast disguised as a business podcast. And so many of these things are related to that personal growth. That's an important part of growing a business. And if you're not doing the personal growth thing while you're doing the business growth thing, you eventually won't be doing the business thing anymore. All right. So first thing on our list here, and you kind of let it slip a second ago. I did. Is mastermind groups. Now we've talked about this in the past on podcasts before, and we've really pushed or tried to push how important this is. But for a lot of us, this is more important now than ever because everyone is isolated. Everyone, whether or not you're isolated at home by yourself or with family or with roommates, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you feel more isolated than ever. And I would say almost everyone that I've met is in the same boat right now. So people want to connect with other people right now, now more than ever. So if you are not part of a mastermind group, put one together. This is a better time than ever to put a mastermind group together because everyone's looking for an excuse to hang out and chat and get to know people. And not only that, this is a great place where you can start to trade ideas and help sharpen each other. What is the biblical quote? Iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Yeah, mastermind groups. Anything else to add to that, Chris? Yeah, you know, as you guys are doing mastermind groups, take this with a grain of salt. But one of the downsides of a mastermind group is when it becomes a place to commiserate instead of a place to mutually encourage one another. Oh, God. Yeah, it can get tricky when someone's like, well, my dog died and my Jeep's not running well. And I was just planning on talking for 20 minutes about what I'm struggling with while you guys all listen politely on Zoom video chat. That should be, again, if you're going to create a mastermind group, have a set of rules, have a rule master, someone who is like yes. the enforcer of those rules and has the ability to shut someone the fuck up when they are being bad. Ours is Bjorgvin. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, man. <laughs> yeah, because if you have one complainer in the group, they can drag down the entire group and it can make it not worth it for anybody there. Yeah, so- one of the things Bjorkman does a really good job at, he's not always our time master when we're hanging out with the Blamo crew, but a lot of times we'll do what's called happy crappy in our mastermind group and we'll go around the circle. It's not a circle, but we'll go around and you've got five minutes to talk about more of a square in zoom. It is a square. We go around the square and you've got five minutes and the clock is running and you talk about what made you happy over the last week or month or whatever and what was crappy. And I think it's really good to have, you know, like a list of things that you're hitting, but I mean, you really got to have someone that's like, that has the gall to say, all right, cool. All right. Well, your time's up. Um, you know, one minute left or whatever, you know, let's move along. It's hard when you get someone that just wants to complain and have everyone just say, oh, that must be so hard. I personally wanted away with the happy crappy thing because it led to too much complaining. And so it was changed to what's been working in your business this past week and what hasn't been working or what do you need help with, which I think is a much more productive way to approach that sort of thing. Yeah, I totally agree. You have flexibility around how you run your mastermind group. Just know that if you, if it's not ran well, that it's not going to bring benefit to anybody. But at the same time, know the difference between a mastermind group and a hangout group. Sometimes you just want to create a group of people that want to hang out and chat, no formal structure. And if that's what you want to do, set that up, but don't, don't create what you call a mastermind and then turn it into just a hangout because that's not serving anyone. Yep. And so, yeah, I think having, you know, rules and having timelines and, you know, limits and stuff like that is great. And by the way, we talked about this topic ad nauseum at episode 79. It's called Why Mastermind Groups Are the Number One Best Way to Find and Fix Your Biggest Blind Spots. Go listen to that episode if you want a little bit more info about how to run a successful mastermind. Continuing on, Chris, what were we talking about? Yeah. So one of the things that can be really great about running a mastermind group right now is if you get a bunch of time on your hands, this is a great place to, amongst friends, trade sessions. 
Yes. This, I used to do this back in the day earlier in my career when, you know, there were people that I looked up to that somehow also looked up to me and we would just trade sessions with each other and, and see what each other was doing in our Pro Tools sessions to know like, oh, so that's how you mix your snare drum or oh, that's how you mix your vocals or oh, that's how your guitar sound soloed out. And that was a huge benefit to be able to see behind the scenes of someone to be able to break down a mix. And I think it's probably a little bit more common to do now than it used to be. But this is something that you can do with your mastermind group. Uh, if this is kind of the precedent you've set in the way, the way you want to do things, not everyone's willing to share their secrets, so to say, but that was the way we did things. And it was great. You know, as a mastering engineer, that this can be a really useful idea as well. Um, if you're in a mastermind group, I don't think there should be a mastermind group of all mastering engineers that probably won't go well, <laughs> but to have like a limited number, maybe two, three mastering engineers in a group or whatever, that can be a really kind of useful thing too, to say. Well, if you want to be super strategic about it, your mastermind group could be of, let's just say, synergetic partners, people that can use each other's services. So a mastering engineer partners up with a mixing engineer who partners up with a tracking studio who was also someone that does session musician work or whatever. You make a mastermind group of people that can all work together. Maybe you throw a videographer in there and a graphic designer in there because, again, all of these business issues we have are similar that could actually be a really powerful mastermind group. And we've kind of talked about that in the past, so I won't belabor that anymore. But yeah, what I would say to other mastering engineers or people that want to get into mastering is this is a great opportunity to say to somebody, hey, I love the record that you released last year. You think I could get the unmastered mixes on that? I'd love to see what it would feel like if I'm at, if I, <laughs> I'd love to see what it would feel like if, if I mastered it. And this is kind of how I got into mastering in the first place is I talked to producers and asked them, hey, can you give me unmastered mixes of records that are already done. And it was nice because I could listen back to what the mastering engineer did on that and see if I thought I could do a better job. So that's a great place. If you got nothing but time on your hands, there's a lot of room to sharpen yourself, to sharpen your skills by, you know, taking on extra projects that there's no way you're, they're going to like pay you to, for remastering a record, but you might get a lot better. And I remember when I used to do this, it was really fun. There was one producer in particular who had produced a song for an amazing artist. He was a pretty, I think he might have had a Grammy, but this is years ago. And it was great because I would listen to the master that a really legit national mastering engineer had done and see if I could beat it. And I remember having problems in the low mids and just being like, wow, what is he doing down there? How is he making it that tight while keeping it still warm? It was a huge part of my education, much more important than audio school to have like, okay, that's the benchmark. Can I beat it? Can I get anywhere close to it? Do I know where I'm strong and where I'm weak by comparing my work to work that's already been done by somebody else? And for us as mastering engineers and mixing engineers, there's a lot of room to be able to experiment right there and a lot of time to do it right now. Yeah, I was going to say the time things, the aspect now that we didn't have, you know, six weeks ago. So let's move on now. The first one was mastermind groups. And those are just some specifics within the mastermind group that you could explore. The second thing on our list, and this is something we talked about extensively last week, is planting seeds. And because we talked about this last week, we won't go super in depth here, but there's a few extra things we want to mention within this that is very relevant right now, given how much time we have in our hands. And so for those who are not aware what, I, what we mean by planting seeds, that just means that just like crops, if you didn't plant seeds four, five, six months ago, you do not have crops to harvest now. You made a really good quote last week, which is now is not the time to harvest. Now is the time to sow or plant seeds. And so by planting seeds, again, if you want to know more details about how you can do that, go listen to last week's episode. That just means things like connecting with people, adding value, being a go-giver, certain things like that. But this week, we wanted to point out that now, if you have the time, it is a good time to start doing free test mixes or free test masters. 
if you have more time than money on your hands right now, be willing to do similar things like that. Like that. Like I'm doing a free test master today. I rarely ever do the free test masters. Usually I just tell people if you want me to master it, you can pay me for it because I just don't have the time on my schedule. But I'm willing to do it right now just because A, it's a band I like and B, I have some extra time. So I'm willing to do things that I wouldn't have done three, four, actually just even a month ago. So doing free tests, I mean, t- free test mixes are much more labor intensive, obviously. So if you're someone that just does not have that much time in your hands, you probably can't spare that right now. But again, most of us right now have a lot of extra free time and to offer someone to do a free test mix right now, it's not going to take anything away from you. It's going to give you experience. It's going to help you get your foot in the door with somebody. And again, planting seeds because they may not even have money right now to hire you. But when this thing blows over, which it eventually will, and they have money and all these new songs have been writing, then you may get that paycheck when it comes time to harvest. Totally. Well, and I would echo back to what I said just a little while ago. A lot of people get focused on doing free test mixes or free test masters for projects that haven't been released yet. But if you want to plant seeds doing, you know, remixes or remasters, quote unquote, for fun. And then showing people what you did is a great opportunity to plant a seed where they're like, oh my gosh, you did a much better job than our guy did. Glad we let you try that. So that's something to kind of keep in mind. The other thing to keep in mind as you're doing the plant seeds strategy is that there's a chance that to go with our planting seeds, it's a time to plant, not to harvest, you know, analogy here is that there's a pretty good chance that the soil is much more fertile than it's ever been. And what I mean by that is that people are alone. They're sad. They feel disconnected. And a little bit of service, a little bit of love goes a long way, longer than it usually would, first of all. Number two, there's a lot of people out there that are recording for 12 hours a day because they got nothing else to do. Right now, I would imagine that the solo singer-songwriter record is the number one record being made right now. Which is, if you go back to the episode uh, two weeks ago where I interviewed Joe from the online recording studio, that's basically his niche. And we talked about how he doesn't have a niche, but when I kind of explored into it further, he actually is a singer, songwriter, niche focused studio. And he is crushing it right now for that reason. Yeah. So, one of the, this fertile ground idea is let's say you planted a seed, you know, you added value or you, you know, attempted to encourage or, you know, otherwise serve somebody who's working on a record, that solo singer-songwriter record under normal circumstances might not be done until next November. But under current circumstances, it might be done in three weeks. So you got to keep that in mind. Like people have more time. And so helping people might go a lot farther now, I think it will in almost every case, than it would under normal circumstances. So this sort of planting seeds thing is really interesting. One more thing to talk about when it comes to planting seeds now is a better time than ever to follow up with every single one of your past clients. Agreed. Chris, you have a lot of past clients, so you may have to do it on a mass mailing list scale. But now is, if you can, one-on-one, reach out to every single one of your past clients and just check in on them. See how things are going. What are they up to right now? I'll tell you right now, I have a lot of meetings right now, like one-on-one calls with people. Without a doubt, without fail, we talk for like five to 10 minutes about what we're doing in life with like coronavirus. That's the common thing. It's like so much deeper conversation than just the normal weather conversation or other small talk. It's like a pretty substantial small talk. So you have a reason to reach out to every one of your past clients and see how things are going. And I've even had a few smart businesses and business owners that have reached out to me to see how I'm, how I'm doing on a personal level. And those people are getting conversations with me. They're staying top of mind with me. And so there's no reason why you can't be the same right now. Staying top of mind, checking in, 
You may be surprised at how many of these things turn into projects in the very near future, if not immediately. But again, this is about planting seeds. So you just following up, staying in touch, keeping like just tapping on them, say, hey, how are you doing? How are things going with you and your family? Just that alone is seed planting activity because A, it shows that you care about them if you truly do care about them. And B, it keeps you top of mind so that when they do have music ready to record, they're going to come to you or they're going to hire you for mixing or mastering or whatever it is that you do. Totally. I completely and 100% agree with that. And that brings us to our next point. Things that you can be working on, not for. For sure, systems. Systems, things that make you move faster. And we're going to talk about that in a couple different ways. But one of the things to kind of piggyback off this follow-up idea is if you haven't jumped on the CRM train, now might be a good time to do that. It is a customer relationship management software. It sounds super boring as shit. It's not. It's amazing. Go back to episode seven of the podcast. It starts CRM. Billion dollar companies use this software and so should you. That's the episode title. We put that out way back in 2017, but still relevant now. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Or at least it was for me with my business. Well, <laughs> let me take that back. My business would have probably been one of the biggest pain in the butts to set up for a CRM of any business I'm aware of in our space, just because what I had been doing before, the kind of high volume, low price thing meant that there was a lot of people that I had to add into that CRM. But I remember the first time I got it set up and all of a sudden it didn't just sort my inbox based on emails, but it sorted it based on leads, based on the individuals I had worked with in the past. And I could see, here's the number of people I've had conversations with. Here's the number of people I've you know, worked with and gotten paid by. Here's the number of people I've done a free mastering sample for. And on and on and on. And it was amazing to kind of go through and be able to say, show me a list. I use close.io. It's now close.com. Big fan. It's probably the most expensive one you can get or damn near close to it. There's probably one or two that are more expensive. But it was amazing because I opened it up and was like, you know, basically total close using a smart filter. Show me everyone I've ever done a free mastering sample for. And it showed me everybody that I had sent a specific type of email to that contained, you know, certain keywords in the subject. And it was amazing for me to be able to be like, well, show me everyone I've done a free mastering sample for in the last three months who never responded to me. Okay. Send a follow-up email to all of those people. Like it was amazing. And then to start getting responses back and to see immediately my income went up, just communicating that, hey, I'm present. I'm thinking about you. Didn't forget about you. I'm not a big enough grown-up. None of us are to keep track of every person that we should be following up with and making sure that they know that they are still on our radar. So spending the time to set up a CRM right now can be really powerful, especially not just because it can help you now, but because of how it can help you once this is all over. When you integrate this into the way that you run your business, it can make a humongous difference, especially when that giant fish shows up, that amazing client that you forgot to keep in the loop, that you forgot to follow up one year from now. Your CRM will help you with that. Yep. That was one of my favorite features of Close back when I used it. I used to use it as well. I'm the one that actually got you into it. Yes, it's true. It's called Smart Views. And you can just say like anyone who I've worked with more than six months ago and that I haven't heard from since then, populate in a list and dynamically updates every single time someone matches that criteria. It's incredible. I moved to Pipedrive. 
they have a very similar thing where they have advanced filters where you can actually create your own filters that are very similar to that. And it's much more affordable than clothes. So if you are one of those people that wants that sort of functionality and you don't quite have the budget for clothes.com, go check out pipedrive.studio. That's my affiliate link. And if you go to that, it'll give you a 30 day free trial with no credit card required. So something to keep in mind if you're going down the CRM train, but yeah, highly recommended those filtered lists is one of the easiest ways to keep up with these sorts of follow-ups that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Well, let's talk about one of my favorite things in audio, speed. This is a great time to work on your speed as a mix engineer or mastering engineer or an editor or whatever. I want to talk a little bit about what that means. When you're growing a business in audio that's some kind of audio service or any kind of service business, inevitably, if you're the one providing the service, how quickly you do the service has a huge impact. One. The faster you are, the more you make per hour. And two, the faster you are, the more time you have to work on your business, not for it. And three, the faster you work, the more time you can spend doing the human stuff, talking to your customers, getting to know them, becoming genuine friends with them, which incidentally helps you do a better job. And that's one of the things that you do better than probably any mastering engineer I know is that you are willing to actually have human to human interactions, talk to them on the phone, have conversations add value in additional ways that most mastering engineers don't do. And it's not because mastering engineers don't want to do it. It's just typically because mastering engineers have a lot on their plate because they have typically, from what I've seen, hands down across the board, they have not invested in systems for speeding up their process. And so they do not have the time or mental bandwidth to devote to each customer because they got so much other work involved with that customer for a generally lower average price per project. So you are just talking about when you invest into speed mixing or speed mastering, that you are able to actually devote more time to the customer and less time to the project, if that makes sense. Yes, totally. And one of the things I find with that is if I get into a meaningful conversation with somebody, it's helpful because I pick up vibes. What are vibes, Chris? It's a feel. It's like a, <laughs> you get to know them on a personal level and there's some sort of, this sounds kooky, but like soul connection. And that influences how you work on their record. And it's not like they're telling me like, well, I really like warm and vintagey and I really like, you know, negative 15 lofts. You know, it's not that stuff. It's their vibe. Their record should reflect them as a person. And having a conversation to me really helps me as I'm making decisions about how I want that record to sound and mastering. And I think it, over the long run, it makes, you know, the revision process a lot easier or in many cases, completely unnecessary. I have a lot better shot at delivering a perfect first master if I've had a conversation with somebody, especially if it's an album. So moving on, so far we have the first thing was talking about mastermind groups. The second thing was talking about planting seeds. The third thing we just talked about was working on systems. Is there anything in systems you still wanted to chat about before we move on? Yeah, there's one last thing. So the way that I built my systems is I came up with a folder of 25 songs from 25 different artists that I thought represented the people that I typically work with. And when I was building systems, what I would do is I would again and again and again master those 25 songs and tweak the way that I was approaching my systems. And by doing that over and over and over again, I could track, oh my gosh, yeah, that was the fastest I've ever done these. Oh my gosh, these sound a little bit better than they did last time. Oh my gosh, like I'm moving right along here. I can start to use this on future projects. So right now is a great time for you to come up with like, what are the 10 songs that you mix as a mix engineer that you can start from scratch. So you've got them, no plugins, just stems. You walk in, move as fast as you can. And there's no client, there's no ego involved. It's just, 
I want to do a great job. I want to do it really, really quickly. So you're just talking about setting benchmarks. This is like your benchmark test where like you are running through the 10 songs or 20 songs or whatever it is. Like a mixing engineer, I would never do 10 songs. It takes forever. I would do one song yeah. and that's my benchmark. But something that's going to take you one or two hours maybe if you have the time and just see how you can knock things off that total time that you clock in. And I think that's actually a really good idea, which is having a set thing you run through every day or week, whatever it is that you're working on these systems. And I like to have checklists. I'm a big checklist person. So if you find that there's a more efficient way to set something up or to label something, or you find a shortcut that works better, or you find a better tool or plugin that does something or something in Zapier that automates something, or if you're an Apple scripts wizard like Chris, you find that, oh, I can save 30 seconds here on each of these tracks if I just automate this one thing with Apple scripts or with Zapier or whatever. Now you start realizing every time you go through this, that's one less thing I have to do. That's one less thing I have to do. And then the ultimate thing is if you can get rid of 99% of the trash involved with mixing or mastering, which is the stuff, when I say trash, I just mean the the non-creative tasks that anyone can do. You get rid of 99% of it by some of it with automation and tools, and then the rest of it with a checklist that your assistant does. And all you're doing is showing up, opening something, making the critical decisions that only you can make. And again, this is beating a dead horse. We've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but if you can do this, this, this is a huge part of speeding up your process when it comes to mixing and mastering. I love this idea of having this benchmark, this test that you've run through and you've timed yourself on and you're trying to get a personal best every time. And not only you're getting slightly better at setting things up, but you're also getting better at the systems. So part of it's going to be the fact that you just know how this works and you're going to naturally get faster. And that's kind of a false positive. But part of it is just saying, hey, this is my system. And by working with these tracks, I'm taking out variables so I can focus on the system. And then when I take this to new things and there are variables, I can work out new system approaches to factor in variables so that they don't come as a surprise. There's always some sort of way to handle a variable that pops up. So again, I like your idea there, Chris. All right, let's move on here now. We've got mastermind groups is number one, planning seeds, number two, systems, number three thing to work on during this whole quarantine situation. Now on to number four, and that is online presence building out your online presence. God, this is something that people in the audio world seem to struggle with this more than anything else. And I'm looking not just at like an anecdotal view. It's almost at this point, statistically significant amounts of people. We have over 6,000 people in our Facebook community. I've got tens of thousands of people on our mailing list. I have thousands of customers in my paid courses. I've talked to hundreds, if not thousands of people in group coaching. And I see what people look like online almost every day. Or I see what people don't look like online because they have no online presence at all. So if you have downtime right now, I can't think of a better way to spend that time than to work on your online presence. And there's several factors involved with online presence. When you think of that, you probably have a certain thing in mind, but we're talking about specific things in here. The first on this list is your website. First thing that people are going to see in most cases when it comes to your online presence, especially now because everyone is doing everything on the internet. And so what happens is they hear about you through something, whether you're having conversations with them on Instagram, where if you go back to Joe's episode a couple episodes ago with the online recording studio, that's their main lead generation platform is talking to people on Instagram. Then they're going back and checking out his website. But people go to check you out either via conversations they've had with you and they click your link in the profile, or they hear about you in some way and they Google your studio name and then you show up in the results. Either way, your website If it's not the first thing that shows up, it should be the first thing that shows up. And most people have terrible websites that they haven't put any thought into. And even the people that have gone through my free website course, which I have a free website course at recordingstudiowebsite.com is the URL for that if you want to take it. Even people that have gone through that still have terrible websites. It may be visually okay, but they haven't put any thought behind 
how people are perceiving them online. What are you doing to speak to your target customer? How are you positioning yourself? Are you publicly posting your prices online, which is something we say is a huge no-no here? Yeah, completely. You know, one of the things, uh, I have a couple thoughts on this. I think the worst thing you can do as an audio engineer in person is show up in front of a client wearing a white Hanes undershirt that you bought from Walmart that has a hole in it and a coffee stain and your gut is hanging out the bottom of it just a little bit. That's like the prototypical like stereotype of audio engineer who's just like, uh, actually, um, you know, you're wrong on, on several points about your own music. And I'm going to explain to you why I, uh, a true musical wizard am correct. Like that sort of awful antisocial condescending nerd doesn't get along well with musicians and then wonders why his business isn't doing well. Your website shouldn't be the equivalent of that white t-shirt with a hole in it and a coffee stain. It should look good. And I think a big piece of this is, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Andy J. Pizza told me something a couple of weeks ago that I just haven't been able to get outside of my head with his creative career path uh, book and system that he's been working on. And this idea comes down to, do you have a one sentence resume on your website? I think this is really important in a lot of different ways, but I think having one sentence that tells people why you are worth working with is really important. And that one sentence shouldn't be a list of all the different services within audio that you happen to provide all of them. It should be... Let me tell you a good one real quick. Yeah. Onlinerecordingstudio.com. Previous guest, two episodes ago, Joe. I've mentioned him a couple times in this episode already. When you hear their, uh, their one-line resume that's on their site, which is also their headline, this is a good place to put it. In my head, it's the same thing. Bring your songs to life. Do you think that's a good one or not? I think it's good. I don't think I would classify that as a one-sentence resume, though. How so? Well, that's a value proposition. Okay, fair enough. You came up with a one-sentence resume for our podcast. And that one sentence is, what is it like? The number one business resource in the recording studio industry or whatever. It's something like If that was the way our voiceover guy sounded, we would never have a single <laughs> listener on earth. Our dude sounds like a genuine badass. He does, man. I want to hang out with that guy someday. That's not a, I don't know. That was a bullshit line I just pooped out because we were the only business resource in the <laughs> recording industry. It was great when we launched it because it was true because it was the only business resource in the industry. And I think what makes that so great is that it follows a format. The number one blank in blank. And I'm not saying that you should literally on your website say the number one blank in blank. But, you know, Mark Eckert's website is a great example of like, we talk about Mark Eckert all the time. I talked with him earlier this week. I love this guy. His one-sentence resume, it's the first thing on his website, markeckert.com, E-C-K-E-R-T. All I give a shit about is producing and developing indie pop artists. Bam, one-sentence resume. So you, you see that, and you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> you must be awesome, and I know exactly what you're all about. And if I'm a perfect match for you, I am going to voraciously consume your entire website. While I love Mark's headline, I don't see how it's any different than Joe's because you could literally just say, all I give a shit about is bringing your songs to life. It's kind of the same thing. He just has more flavorful language here than Joe. But if Joe's audience is singer-songwriter, they have the song they want brought to life that speaks to that type of person in the way that probably resonates with them. I see what you're saying. Just know your customer because Mark's customers are like indie pop people that probably have a sense of humor. And so him saying, all I give a shit about, 
I get what you're saying though. It's to me, it's, this is just part of positioning and copywriting is writing stuff on your website that appeals to your target customer in a succinct and understandable way that doesn't require a paragraph of shit being read before they understand it. That's the mistake people make is either non-descriptive, non-scannable websites, or they have a very descriptive, overly descriptive websites that are trying to tell you every single detail about every single piece of gear that they have and how they went to audio school and how their grandfather was the one who, <laughs> you get what I'm saying here. This is just how most websites are. And so if that is you, if any of this we're saying about you is sounding like you right now, just stop it. Go work on your website. Yeah. And by work on your website, I think the most important thing is not have this amazing paragraph. It's a sentence. One amazing sentence. Some of my favorite sites don't have any large amounts of copy. The most I'm looking at Mark's site, he has a couple of small paragraphs, but that's it. Everything else is big ass text that just talks about bullet pointed. This is what we do and why you want to hire us. And you're either in or you're out. And if you're out, go the fuck away. If you're in, you're part of the club and we love you. That's basically his gist of his website. Yeah. You're either in or you're out. And I think bad websites are like, don't leave. Don't leave. Well, please, we might be able to help you. Please stay on my website. <laughs> it, it should be exclusive. And I love that. So Let's move on to the next thing. One of my favorite parts about online presence is when somebody searches your name, what's the first page in Google search results look like? This is huge. So if you Google Chris Graham Mastering, the first page looks dope. The first page of Google's search results looks dope. It's not like, oh, there's one result that's actually me and the rest are not me. The whole freaking thing is me usually, depending on where you're at. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about this. So yeah, you, if you Google Chris Graham Mastering right now, it's not just chrisgrammastering.com. It's his full online presence, which matches this section really well. You've got his website. And this is, your your results might vary differently because Google kind of personalizes it based on your search history. But first thing is Chris Graham Mastering website. The second is Chris Graham Mastering's Facebook page that shows 104 five-star ratings. Then you have like a whole slew of videos with Chris Graham's face in it with some funny thumbnails. Then you have another Facebook profile, but it's the same one, but it just shows it up twice for whatever reason. I'm not sure why that's the case. Oh, it's literally just the results of your reviews. So it's your Facebook reviews page ranking on Google under your name. Then it's your YouTube channel. Then it's an interview with Chris Graham of Chris Graham Mastering on medium.com. Then it's your Twitter. Then it's your Yelp profile. Then it's the Recording Studio Rockstars interview you did with Lid Shaw. Then it's the Six Figure Home Studio interview that I did with you on episode two of the podcast. That <laughs> just goes on and on and on and on and on. Then your Better Business profile. So you want to talk about an online presence? That is a strong online presence. It's not you three results down and then the rest of it's some other guy named Chris Graham. Like you own those keywords. That's a lot of work to do that. We got a lot of time right now. So if you're going to hire somebody to work on your music babies, are you going to Google them first? Yes, of course they will. If they don't, they're silly and you don't want them as customers anyways. So you need to be sure that when people Google you, you look dope. And to be honest, like my Google search results could look a lot better. I don't have a Wikipedia entry. If anyone does that, please make one for me. Yeah, if you Google just Chris Graham, you get the actor instead of you. You just get some dude's IMDb profile and some guy with a headshot. Yeah, so there's a lot of work that you can do to make yourself look better. Back in the day, in the 80s, if you wanted to look dope, you bought a sweet suit. Today, if you want to look dope, you got to have dope social media profiles. You got to have dope Google search results. You got to have a dope website. And you can't use the word dope. And you can't use the word dope. <laughs> All right, so we've covered the online presence thing pretty well so far. That's the fourth on our list. Now we have one more, unless we end up adding one at the end randomly, which we tend to do. That's the fifth thing on this list. And that is 
Learn new shit. Yes. You have so much time on your hands right now. Go learn something new. Improve yourself. You have time to learn new shit. That's awesome. That's so cool. What a blessing. Oh, man. Like, I'm embarrassed to say this, but like, I've watched movies like Shawshank Redemption, you know, movies where like someone's in prison. And (laughs) I'm like this eternal optimist to a fault. And I've thought to myself many times while watching movies like that, man. If I was ever in jail, man, I would learn so much new stuff. <laughs> I would read. Well, we, we kind of are in jail right now. We are all of essentially living under house arrest right now. Yeah. And that's a lot of time to self-improve. I got to tell you what, man, through this whole COVID thing, I've gotten cut. I am doing so much yoga. I can see you weigh less than me right now. This is the first time in our life. Yeah, fatty. Since we've known each other. <laughs> I'm not fat. You just lost a lot of weight. That's true. That's true. This is the first time in, a, in our history of being friends that you've weighed less than me. So I believe kudos this is true. to Chris Graham right now. I'm the strongest I might have, maybe not ever, but I'm the strongest I've been since high school for sure right now. And you're taller than me too. You're a couple inches tall. Like I'm six feet, but you're like six two or six. How tall are you? I'm six and three quarters inch. <laughs> really? I feel like you're taller than that. Well, I put a lot of effort into making sure that you feel that way. <laughs> I think so. you walk on your tiptoes. That's why. I probably do. I probably do. <laughs> but anyways, learn new shit. So Chris, we have some things on the list of things that you should be considering when it comes to learning new shit. One is super uber specific and the rest are pretty general. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk about this first thing, Chris, when it comes to learning new shit? This first thing comes with a warning. Stay tuned for the warning. Learn how to build conditional forms. Boo. Oh, dude. Conditional forms are the bomb. My whole business is built on conditional forms. My website's on WordPress. You might need WordPress. You might not. I'm not saying everyone does. And there's a plugin called Gravity Forms. I love Gravity Forms. It's amazing. It's a plugin and it lets me build crazy, crazy, crazy forms. And I can add different plugins to Gravity Forms to make the forms do different stuff. But a conditional form is a form that you can say, uh, you know, question one. Do you like vanilla or chocolate? And then in the form on the back end, you can say, if they say vanilla, show another question. If they say chocolate, show a picture of chocolate ice cream. It's basically just a flow chart, like if then sequence flow chart. It's a bunch of if then statements. Yeah. Those are super duper useful from a business standpoint because you don't want to hand somebody a form or an old school PDF. A, a lot of back in the day, you would send someone like your mixed prep PDF or your master prep PDF. And it's this monstrosity of a document that most of it doesn't apply to that person. Yep. But they see it and they're like, I don't want to read this because it's long. (laughs) It's a block of text, which no one reads blocks of text anymore unless you're reading fantasy novels. Bingo. With a conditional form, you can make it the absolute bare minimum length to the person that's filling it out. It's crazy powerful. And you can also do crazy stuff like, hey, if they answered yes to question 17, send an email notification to my assistant. If they don't, If they answered no, then send an email notification to me. You can hook it up with Zapier and Gravity Forms and a lot of other, you know, form building software and say, hey, if they answer this, then add a text file in this Dropbox folder. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to go into details with this. Just if you want to learn more about this, go learn how to do conditional forms. I'm going to push back though. Yeah, you should. This is a massive distraction and a huge waste of time for most of our listeners. I'll tell you right now. I didn't even really want to have it on this podcast. Just because like what happens is we gave you all these things that you should be doing right now because you have time. And some of these are hard things to do that you don't want to do. And so what you're going to do is you're going to naturally gravitate towards the shit that sounds fun to do. So if you're like a technical minded engineer type, the one that talks like this, that Chris made fun of a second ago and keeps pushing the glasses up. 
if that's you, this is going to be more harm than good for you because you're going to ignore the stuff that you really need to do in your business. And you're going to be doing this like tweaking shit for all 12 customers that come to your website per month. If you have zero customers right now, this is not the thing for you to actually build out. If you are the type of person that has a lot of work coming in, maybe so. Maybe that's the case. Totally true. One of the things I would say here is the temptation for a lot of people is when they get into conditional forms is they make the forms so complicated. Take a lesson from my mistakes. What gets fancy gets broken. Keep it simple. What gets fancy gets f***ed. That, that's actually much more catchy. Yeah. So, okay, next one. This one's pretty obvious. Reading. Oh, man, how long have we been talking about reading on this podcast? Episode one. We might actually be a reading podcast, not a business podcast. And again, just in the category, just to keep people where we're at. Learn new shit. That's where we're at. Number five, learn new shit. We talk about books more than probably any podcast. And we're not going to really talk about this point. You know this by now if you listen to this podcast at all. If you are uncertain about books to read, go listen to episode 100, where we talked about our top 16 life-changing books for business owners. So there you go. Go read. Anything else to add to that, Chris? You better not have anything else to add to that, Chris. No. Yeah, just read. Yeah, <laughs> you got time right now. See what I did uh, there? Third thing on the list is get a coach. Get a business coach. If you want one, go hire Chris Graham or get one of his free coaching calls. This might be a good time to start exploring your business in depth personally, because again, we can only give pretty overarching generic advice on this podcast. So if you want anything personal that is tailored specifically for you, bespoke business advice, then coaching might be the move for you. And if that's you, it's not necessarily the cheapest way to approach things, but it could very well be the most effective thing. Because if you start trying to play all the shit that we talk about on this podcast, you're going to end up wasting so much time that it would have been cheaper to pay for a coach to teach you what you specifically need to be doing right now instead of spinning your wheels for six months wondering why nothing's working. Chris, you're talking about dominoes. When we talked about this before the call, half of coaching is making sure your dominoes are stacked in the correct order so that when you push the first domino over, the rest fall down. And if you start trying to tackle one of these other things we talk about in this or any other episode before you're ready, you might be working on domino four and you've skipped three other dominoes. So when you push that first domino over, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the big thing. I think everybody at some point should hire a business coach. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's somebody else. But the thing to keep in mind is a good business coach costs absolutely nothing. That's a good point. Yeah. A good business coach will pay for themselves pretty quick. It's the whole value versus cost thing. People tend to focus, whether it's looking at file passes, monthly prices, or whether they're looking at one of my courses, or whether they're looking at a business coach or any other person they're hiring, they start looking at the cost involved with that instead of the value they get from applying what they learn or from using that tool. And there's a huge difference in cost versus value. In most cases, in a stable, good business, the value you get out of something is way higher than the cost that you pay for it. Yeah. You know, like for me, you know, when I'm doing these free coaching calls, uh, which by the way, you can get one, uh, go to chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching. You always say it too fast. It's chrisgrammastering.com slash coaching. <laughs> you always mumble your way through it. I appreciate that. You're a fabulous human being for correcting me on that. So if you want to go apply, one of the requirements is there's a quick one minute video just saying why you're interested in some business coaching. But if I think you need a business coach, I'll tell you. If I don't think you're ready yet, I'll also tell you. I am absolutely not interested in ever coaching anyone that isn't going to immediately pay for my services with business growth. Either way, they're going to get a little mini roadmap from you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So next thing, you got a lot of extra time on your hands. 
And, you know, one of the things that's been interesting as I've been doing the coaching thing is all of my best coaching clients have one thing in common. Bad breath? They already took your course. Oh, same thing. All of them. And to be honest, like when somebody reaches out and says, yeah, I listened to the podcast. I haven't taken Brian's course, but I'm interested in coaching. That's usually a red flag for me. Interesting. I don't say no to all of them, but I do often press them on that because it's a much more efficient path to take your course and then to explore some of the finer points that are harder to cover in a course that's made for a lot of people than it is to cover, you know, an individual strength or an individual struggle that's better addressed in coaching. Yeah. The specific course we're talking about is the Profitable Producer course, which you can get by going to theprofitableproducer.com. The thing about that is we cover a lot of the low-hanging fruit, the stuff that everyone should be tackling first, the things that people tend to ignore and avoid, even though they either know they should be doing it or they just didn't know at all, and they now can put these things into place. If you skip that before going to Chris, he can help you with it, but the problem is it's just a lot of stuff you could have learned elsewhere and done inside of a course and a little bit of a cheaper format and at your own pace and you're not paying for coaching on these basic things, you can go straight for the more serious stuff that takes more of an individual handheld approach. Totally. So if you guys haven't taken Brian's course yet, you know, like we've been doing this podcast together. When Brian makes money on a course, I don't see a penny of that. And that was by design from the very beginning. I have never, ever, ever heard a complaint about Brian's course, but I have heard many, many many people point to it as a life-changing experience. So check it out. And also we're about to start the next accountability accelerator bootcamp. So if you want to get it on this next one that we're about to start, make sure you go join now because it's an eight week program. Everyone's stuck at home right now. So you've got eight weeks to do this. Nothing we assign you in this bootcamp is going to be things you have to leave your home for. It's all COVID proof <laughs> or it's all COVID safe. Go to theprofitableproducer.com and you can learn more about how those boot camps work and how the teams work and the scoring works and the competition side. It's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, Brian, in a world that is socially distanced, it is a pleasure and a joy to hang out with you and make a podcast episode. Yeah, I miss you, buddy. Me too. Well, hopefully Summer Nam will happen, though I doubt that it will. If the uh, Olympics were canceled, then Summer Nam is going to be absolutely yeah, canceled. Yeah, But I'll see you by next Nam. Winter Nam. <laughs> All right, Chris, any final things to leave listeners off here when it comes to working on your business during this quarantine? Yeah, let me see if I can find a mic drop quote here. I like ending episodes on Chris Graham mic drops. So this whole social distancing thing, this whole quarantine thing is rough. And I think what makes it so rough is it feels like we're losing stuff. It feels like we're missing out on opportunities. It feels like we're just sort of hanging out in a mud puddle, not moving anywhere and just sort of soaking in the juices. I think that you can find a lot of relief by investing in yourself, by finding a way to know that you are bigger, better, stronger, faster, smarter, all of those things when this is all said and done. So my charge to you guys is spend the time growing. Don't worry about the video games. Like if you need to blow off some steam, great, that's fine. But growth is where you're going to really look back at COVID and say, man, that was instrumental. That was an advantage. That was a blessing in disguise. And here's the best part. There is no fear of missing out right now. Your friends are not out there partying or doing anything right now. So that whole FOMO aspect is a non-issue now. So the issue is now just getting yourself to start doing the things that need to be done that you know you need to do. And hopefully this episode is a kick in the ass to start doing those things. Totally. And kind of last piece on that. I said something on the last episode that I think really rings true to me. I feel like has rang true to the people I've been coaching. COVID is an opportunity to experiment with your business. 
If you try something new during COVID-19 and it fails, it's COVID's fault. If it succeeds, you get to keep it. So go try something new, go learn a new skill, go grow, go try something else. <laughs> Gosh, I really can't. Good. Good, good job, Chris. Oh, gosh. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. Here we go. I was trying something new. Goodbye, (laughs) y'all. All All right. See you guys. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Before I let you go, there's something I got to mention, and that is my other business, filepass.com. Pretty much anyone listening right now, you're stuck at home. Any work you do with your clients is going to be over the internet. What better time to sign up for FilePass and move all of your collaboration into the cloud? And FilePass makes the entire process so much easier than whatever you're using right now. If you're a mixing engineer or you're a mastering engineer, you can use FilePass for your clients to upload files directly to their project without any login, any accounts to deal with. You send them a link, they drag and drop the files directly into their browser, and then they stay in FilePass until you delete them. No expiring links or any of that mess. You mix or you master their songs, upload in FilePass, send your client another link, and they can stream the lossless wave audio from any device and leave timestamped comments directly on the files. No more long phone conversations, no more long email threads. All of this is handled from their phone, from their computer, any device with internet access. And then all of their comments turn into a nice and neat little checklist for you to work through as you're going through the revisions in your DAW. And then whenever you have the final mixes or the final masters, you just upload them to FilePass, add a charge to their account, and then they cannot download those files until they have paid you. And once they pay, it automatically unlocks their download. You get instantly paid. They instantly get their files. It's a win-win. Just go to filepass.com for your free trial. And you can thank us later for making your online collaboration process infinitely easier. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, happy hustling. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hood. I'm here with my bald, beautiful, amazing, purple-shirted, gray-sweatered co-host, Christopher J. Graham. I'm feeling a little down today because it's, it's coronavirus. Uh, and uh, I don't like this. You got you to gotta pep it up, my bruh. Well, the news has got me some blues, man. Are we, are we, is this for real? Are we doing this? No, God. <laughs> It'd be the worst start ever to a podcast. Yeah. Uh, All right, here we go.